From the advertising media capital of the world, New Milford, Connecticut, wherever that is. This is Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson, a bi-weekly-ish podcast about all things automotive marketing. Now, here's your host, Matt Wilson. Hello, everybody. Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson is presented by Silverback Advertising, online at silverbackadvertising.com. You know, it's just reminiscing the other day. I've been at um, Silverback Advertising for two years now, and I was thinking about my time before Silverback when I was the marketing director at a group of Nissan stores. And one of the things that I used to love the most was when uh, a vendor would come into my office and try and explain branding to me. Like I didn't understand branding because, you know, we would be talking about, you know, low funnel this and low funnel that. And they would take that as like, we don't understand the importance of branding, which of course we understand, but it's always difficult in our industry because of all the pressure from the OEMs and the objectives we have to make and the 30 day sales cycle we live in. And it was difficult to spend money on branding sometimes, depending on what your budget was. And as a way to prove to me that they knew a lot about branding and I didn't, they would always draw out the sales funnel. Like they were coming up with some kind of idea I never heard of. Let me just get this piece of paper and this pen. Let me draw this funnel for you. Or they go, oh, look at that marker board on the wall. Do you have a dry erase marker? I got one right here in front of me in my office. Let me just let me just draw this funnel on the side for you here. Here's a sales funnel. And at the top, you have the population. And at the bottom, you have someone who's buying a car. No kidding. Thanks for coming into my office and sharing with me. I really appreciate it. And I was always, it was like a drinking game. Me and my boss would be like, okay, if this vendor brings up the sales funnel, pretend like you have to do a shot because they always will. They always would bring it up. So I was thinking about that. And in conjunction with that, I'm on uh, LinkedIn one day and I find out the sales funnel is out. That's not even a thing. Well, it is a thing, but it shouldn't be a thing. What's the new thing supposed to be? Ah, well, it's a flywheel. What the heck is a flywheel? That's a great question. So let's get the answer on what a flywheel is, because I have no idea what it is. Let's bring in Todd Smith. He's the founder and CEO at 360 Converge. Good morning, Todd. How are you? Great. Uh, thanks for having me on. Awesome. Uh, yeah, man. Good to, good to be here. I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, so my sales funnel story, right? That's the age old automotive story. Am I right? It's every industry, right? It's not just the car business, but I agree. I've seen the funnel drawn many times on my whiteboard at my store. Um, And I think that's been the go-to of how we categorize everything from lead to sales, that journey. It was an easy way to say, put X people up top, this many people will qualify on the phone, this many people will set appointments with, this many people will show up, this many people will take test drives, this many people will sell. I mean, just go back to like Toyota's 10-step sales process. I mean, it's all funnel-driven. I mean, listen, it's part of our like vernacular, part of our makeup, part of the infrastructure. I I had a dealer say to me a couple weeks ago, uh, a dealer that uh, we were pitching at the agency and he said, oh, I need more mid funnel, high funnel awareness. All right. So he says that I know what he means. He knows that I know what he means, but are we, are we speaking in old language? Are we speaking in ancient language? I don't know if it's an ancient language. It's, it's a functional language, Right. right? But 
when you look at a funnel, what what do you see? You see lock going in up the top, some coming out of the bottom, and then that's it. It's a non what I consider uh, it's like a one way road. It's like watching it just a river pass you by. Yeah. And the problem with that, when you kind of dig into it, is for businesses to be successful, they should be growing out of their own database, right? Not just thinking of it as a funnel. And this is not my idea of the flywheel. It's Jim Collins, good to great book written many years ago. Uh, so the flywheel's been around a long time as well. Uh, it just, I don't know if it's just not popular. I don't know if the whole funnel movement online, because we went from funnel as, you know, you're in advertising, right? So yep. it was how many people listen to the radio ad and how many people do this and take action and then show up, right? And then it was the internet and we kind of fine tuned the funnel a little bit by saying we could calculate people, website visitors and unique and then hit a call to action button and then did something down there, right? So it was easy for us to kind of work the funnel, you know, but I think for longevity of a business, it has to think a little differently and more holistically. And I think that's where the flywheel comes in. If you read good to great and you looked at the most successful businesses, they understand the funnel, but their business growth comes through the flywheel. So it's good to great. Um, why I'm trying to find it here so I can put it on my oh, yeah. and put it on my reading list. Yeah, if you, listen, it's a classic, right? So it's it's definitely not new theory. Mm -hmm. uh, it is built in using the energy of my existing customers to propel my growth, right? So that. Is part through word of mouth, advocacy, uh, your existing customers buying more from you over longer periods of time. Uh, there's there's a whole lot of mini camps inside that, right? Mm -hmm. And the idea, if you look at a flywheel, I think I put on my article, you see the old giant flywheels that like power like Niagara Falls or power, uh, you know, Hoover Dam, right? These giant wheels and then or even look at a wheel on a train, you know, when it's sitting there, if you tried to push a train, impossible, right? right. Just too hard. Unless you're one of those super strong guys who can put it in your teeth and pull. <laughs> strong, train. strong man competition. Yeah. yeah, come on. That's just not the average human. My teeth would just pop out of my yeah. head, right? So like a cartoon. And I, I think though, once you get the wheel moving, momentum carries it right momentum carries a train and, and it's it's highly efficient and that's a flywheel right it's once you get the wheel turning even though it's difficult in the beginning once that wheel turns momentum is carrying you so when you think of that philosophically and then you think of the funnel well nothing is perpetuating the funnel right you're putting spend into the top that's putting people into the top and then you're getting an output so the second you turn off spend, what happens to output at the bottom? It Dri drips down and then stops. Okay. That's not a good model. No. Uh, because what happens when things happen? Pandemic hits, right? And now I, I need to cut back advertising, right? I got to cut back spend. I have to cut back things. So what happens is everything limbs down in that top of that funnel and 
everything kind of, you know, the, the train car comes to a halt. And so I, I really spent time during the pandemic thinking, and I'm like, man, what do we need? What should we be looking forward to doing? And it was the flywheel just kept coming back to me. And I remember reading Good to Great a long time ago, and I went back over to my library, blew off the dust yep. and said, hey, let's let's relook at this. And it makes a lot of sense. It makes probably more sense today that in the world we're living of, of automotive, the cost to sell a car continues to rise. If we look at NADA's data, right, where it's $629 per unit, right? So yep. that goes up. Uh, our margin has continued to erode, right? Competitive forces, uh, more higher efficiency organizations. So th when you have that type of model where you have one go cost going up, profit going down, that's an unsustainable model. Right. Like it's not, how do you deal with that? So you need to move either profitability up or costs down, right? And it has to get to a point where it's either a constant or it starts going the other way. But right now it's going in a, a very bad way. So you say, okay, with what we're doing and putting more in the funnel, that doesn't fix that problem. So you have to kind of think back and say, okay, how are we going to fix that problem? And to me, it's that flywheel. It's getting more out of our existing customer data set, right? Like how do we squeeze more out of them? You know, put more lemon lemonade in the, the lemon pitcher without having huge capital investment of 600 and some dollars just for new customer attraction. And when we look at auto, I think auto is very, there's two camps, right? There's only two ways to grow any business. One, it's acquire new customers. And two is to retain your existing ones. Well, which one does auto do and spend all their time focused on? 95% of dealers are focused on one. Let's right. attract new customers, right? What am I doing in my marketing? What are my Google ads doing? What are my VDPs look like? Very little is spent on retention and managing internal growth of our existing customer database. Yet that's where the real money is. Yeah. And, you know, it's much easier. I mean, you know, advertising, I'm telling you, like, it's what, seven times cheaper to retain an existing customer than to get a new one. Then why don't we do it? Because yeah. we're auto guys and we're not trained for that. And <laughs> we're not marketers and we're trained to hunt. Like that's our mindset being from retail is kill. What do I got? How many units do I have out this month? And then the clock starts on the first and I go right back to how many units do I have out? Right. And I, I create that, what I consider that funnel mentality and it's how we are organized and how we operate and how we pay our people. All of it is attached to the funnel. And I said, we need a more fundamental shift that the most successful dealers will be ones that leverage the flywheel that really work through uh, building that customer relationship. So go back to like uh, Sewell back in Texas. Like he was one of the first guys to write about, he didn't call it a flywheel. He just called it building long-term relationships, his, his LTV, lifetime value of customer. Is there a, so I'm just thinking about it from the, you know, I'm looking at the process part of it, right? I, I think back, you know, I spent seven years in the dealership uh, on the marketing side, visiting different stores in the group, spending time in the BDC, spending time on the sales floor, spending time with the GMs. 
And one of the things that I'm thinking is, you know, in order to have sort of this process in place, this flywheel mentality, you know, it's easy for a, a dealer to say, okay, well, my customer relations person or their, or depending on what the manufacturer is, they call it, you know, a different job handles sure. my lease loyalty, right? My marketing agency or my marketing person handles my marketing. My yeah. service people handle, you know, getting customers to continue to service us so we can, we can uh, you know, hit our service retention numbers. But is there really a person or a job or a company that these dealerships have or use? Because all those things need to work together for this flywheel to work, right? But like, who's yeah. Who's responsible for it? Who's the guy who says, okay, I'm the director of flywheel communications. <laughs> that sounds like a cool title, by the way. Um, that is a good title, man. Yeah. You might own that now. I you like might that. Let me write that down. Director of flywheel director of communications. Flywheel. Director yeah. flywheel. That's DFC, director of flywheel DFC, communications. Man. I'm your um, DFC at your store. Yep. I like it. So, but like, how does a dealer... Because I feel like there's probably a lot of stop and start in this situation. Oh, we're going to make sure that our service customers become, uh, you know, our service customers who didn't buy from us become sales customers. We're going to make sure our sales customers become service customers. We're going to make sure, you know, we're going to keep this rotation going. Um, but I feel like that it gets probably piecemeal together. There's a lot of stop and start. And like, who's responsible for it? Like, how's a dealer on the process level supposed to look at it? Okay, like let's go out a little bit on this because yep. I think what drives behavior is pay plans. Of course, 100%. Okay. So pay plans aren't aligned with longevity for right. a relationship. Think of a salesperson's pay plan or even a manager. I'm paid on a manager, I'm paid on gross of store. That's it. And if I'm a sales guy, I'm paid only what I hunt and have killed. Right. And I'm not paid any more to retain an existing customer than I am to capture a new one. Good point. Yep. So I think there has to be a fundamental shift in pay structure to start to put value because look, what we get paid on is what we value. And I don't think since we're not being paid on these things, we don't value them. So the dealers or even a GM goes, look, I get paid on gross, that retention thing. That's great but I get paid on gross. Right. <laughs> but if I got a part of my pay was also paid of my year over how many people in my database stayed in my database and stayed active or increased active. Like I had different metrics I was paid on. It would absolutely change my behavior. Yeah. So that's rule one of this. Uh, does it, I don't think it's one person in a dealership. I think everybody should be involved. It's in a culture because thing. Like everything, when you have the involvement globally, the odds of it being successful grow. And think about this, you're a marketer. So when it's a, a service marketing plan, then it's only those service guys care about it. The sales guys are like, yeah, whatever, that's a service thing, right? But right. because I'm not held accountable to that, it's not important to me. So, but when you make something important to everybody, again, mental shift, value change. And that's like that mental thing. Like I always love the Ritz Carlton because they're embedded mentally in the flywheel because look at how they treat you. Whether it's the person who's fixing a light bulb to the, the first person you run into at the front desk or the valet, you're going to be treated with a level of care that they value you. And they also incentivize them for that, right? So 
think about this as an organization where you're incentivized up to X dollars to spend to fix any problem. That doesn't yeah. happen in the car business. They may say it happens, right. but they're not executing. So I think that's one side of it because that empowers people to be friendly and deliver experience. So I think there's a lot around the flywheel to make it work. But when you think of a flywheel working, it's just I'm getting more out of that my existing customer database. I've turned you, Matt, now you've referred one person or five people this year to the business. I had a lady I sold, Mrs. McCook. Because of her, I sold 10 other people through her church and her activities. And I still remember that experience because I leveraged that. Yeah. And But I feel like that's, how do you apply that to the dealership? I like the, uh, the pay plan. The first thing you said there about the incentivizing, like, uh, you know, you could incentivize a salesperson to make sure that their sold customer, uh, schedules and shows up at their first service appointment, right? Yeah. So you schedule your first service appointment with that customer. Awesome. They show up or they get their car service. They come in for their oil change or whatever it is. There's some kind of uh, you know, reward there. And then the other side of it from the service side, like I know in one of my stores, we used to pay, you know, if a guy came in and he was driving a, you know, 10 year old car and he needed $3,000 worth of work. Of course, the service manager wants to, or the, the, the service writer wants to sell that, you know, wants the person to do that work. But in some situations it would make more sense to turn that person into a new car. So we would right. incentivize our service writers to, uh, turn that person over to a sales manager and convert that customer into a new car customer. And then we'd, you know, we'd incentivize the service writer to that deal. But then that car gets sold. Well, how do you incentivize that person to make sure that person continues to service their car at the dealership? Okay. So let's, let's be fun and creative now, because this is one of those moments maybe, and I have, I've not thought through this, but let's just have a fun little exercise. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. What happens if you pay let's just say, let's use simple numbers. Uh, I sell a new car at a dealership, I get $100, right? Yep. Flat. But let's say I don't get the whole $100. As a salesperson, I'm only paid $80. Mm -hmm. I get paid another $5 when the customer shows up for his first, um, his first oil change or yep. first service appointment. I get paid another $5 if they, whatever the maintenance, they do their second maintenance or something. And then I get paid 10 after two years of something else, like you set triggers. Yeah. And now the service writer, it's almost the same in reverse, right? That I get paid X for business I have in, or maybe you pair a salesperson and service writer together. Mm -hmm. So now they're a group. They both get paid on the sale and they're both getting paid on the service. So it's a dynamic team. Yeah. Like, yep. So I don't know what the right answer is, but I feel like we could be far more creative than we are currently in applying what I consider performance-driven pay that yields the outcome we want, which is long-term relationships with customers. Because right now, we don't do that at all. No. So. You, you can add a trigger in there for reputation management. We always had, you know, we always are talking about how can we get, you know, every once in a while we do a contest and we'd be like, whoever gets the most five star reviews or four and above star reviews this month would get a $150 Amazon gift card or a gift certificate to a local restaurant or we would do something, you right. know, um, but you could, you could add a trigger for that customer leaves a review or fills out their survey. Like a, Nissan yeah. is all about the, the freaking survey. So 
customer fills out their survey. It doesn't matter what the score is. They just got to fill out their survey. There's an extra, you know, there's, there's another $10 built into, you know, it's almost like a football contract with incentives. Yeah. Here's what you can earn on a sale. Here's what you'll get. And then with incentives, here's how you can get here. Ooh, yeah. I think we're onto something. Yeah. So when I had my Chevy store, I hated individual sales pay because I found my sales floor was obviously uber competitive. They wouldn't help. Like I would be like, Oh, you're Matt's customer. Matt's go over there. Right? Like, because I wasn't getting anything out of it. Yeah. So I changed my pay plan for my salespeople. It literally caused a revolt. I paid them collectively. Yeah. So they each got a no, unit number. They got X per unit. And then collectively they got paid for what the team did. Now, I'm not going to say it worked perfect at the beginning. I definitely had some rough edges as I did this. But something interesting happened about six months into this. I had my two of my team came and said, look, we don't like this guy, Mike, anymore. We want to get rid of him. He's not pulling his weight on the team. But we already went down and they recruited the number one sales guy out of the Chrysler store down the road. And I'm like, what? I like was stunned. I was like, right. okay. And they're like, can we bring him in for an interview? I was like, yes. So they called, this guy shows up and then he, I have interviews, obviously super, he, the guy's just a hammer. Right. And I'm like, okay. I was like, sure. And he wanted to join the team. That was it. Boom. So at that moment at six, everything changed organizationally yeah. and they hammered. We went from that hovering at what I considered the hitting on 200 level, 200 units a month to 325. Wow. It was like I completely organizationally shifted and I realized what it was. I put them on a team. I incentivized them the right way. And I said, it was a little bumpy getting started. Um, but once I figured it out and once they caught onto it and they cleared their own trash out of the way, it was, it was over. Then they were actively looking and they would help each other. And they say, look, you need more sales training. You're not doing a good job on your test drives. You know what? As a manager, we always have to police that, right? We have to police performance. They police themselves. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It was a crazy change. So, but I, I, and I only use that as an example because I think like we're caught up in old thinking in a lot of areas and we're not challenging ourselves to perform at different levels and to perform at different levels, you got to do different things. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Informational for sure. I think it's a, it's a good uh, exercise for dealers on uh, on a way of thinking and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you having me today. Yeah, let's do it again. We'll do another episode together. On, we'll find another topic and do another one for sure. Hey, texting. I am a huge text guy. So well, let's talk about text marketing next time. I'm in. Let's do it. Okay. Thank Sounds you, Todd. great. Sounds good. Todd Smith, founder and CEO at 360 Converge. Thanks for checking out another episode of Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson, presented by Silverback Advertising. Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson is brought to you by... Wait, this guy has sponsors? Oh, never mind. This sheet of paper's blank. No sponsors. That makes more sense. 
for updates, info, future episodes, and more. Follow on Twitter, subscribe on YouTube, like on Facebook, and connect on Frackle. You guys made that last one up. That's not even a thing, Frackle. Come on.